Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. As usual, I have too long of a sermon tonight. I'm already, I'm already crossing things out. But I, but I hope that tonight's message will help you both in your marriage because it can, uh, but also in your walk with the Lord. This is a two-pronged approach because it really has to do with our relationship to our spouses, and if you're not married, that's okay, our relationship with God, because both of them follow a similar pattern if we're not careful. We want to talk tonight about finding satisfaction in our relationship with God and finding marital satisfaction in our relationship with our spouse. Our relationship with Christ and our relationship with our spouse are very, very similar. In fact, if you're not getting along too well with your spouse, you're probably not getting along too well with Jesus and vice versa. I'm not, I'm, by the way, I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty tonight. I want to lift you, as always, and encourage you because we all have great hope and we all need to do some work here. I want to tell you tonight that a couple of... A little bit of honesty, a disclaimer, that some of the graphics that you'll see came from a webinar that I recently uh, took on, on, on marital satisfaction, but I think that they so help us to understand what's going on here that I'm, I'm, I stole them. I'm using them. I'm just being honest with you tonight. So think about your marriage for a minute. After you've been married for a couple of years or for many years, things suddenly begin to change and they can become stale. How many of you are still married to the very same person? I don't mean... I mean, they act the same, they do, same person you married. I hope not. I hope not. Because all of us change and you need to change. It was a trick question. But, but for those of you who raised your hand, you just got brownie points from your, from your spouse tonight. But here's the thing. When we're married, when we first get married, everything is natural. It comes to us naturally. You don't have to be told to kiss your spouse. You don't have to be told to hold hands. You don't have to be told to be lovey-dovey, right? It comes naturally. But over time, what happens is that that which seemed effortless and just came to us naturally suddenly begins to be boring and unfulfilling and and, and unexciting. I see heads nodding. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but it it happens in every relationship. That's exactly what happens in many marriages. Your marriage, after a time, if you don't decide to do certain things, can drift. What was once exciting now has led to discouragement and dissatisfaction and disillusionment. And when your marriage drifts, you blame your spouse, you close your heart, you isolate from one another instead of drawing closer to one another. You begin to explore other options. What else could I be doing with my life here? And you doubt your future. You've drifted. You've drifted. Don't give up. Don't give up. Everything you need for marital satisfaction depends on factors and skills that you can do something about at any time in your life and at any time in your marriage. Is that good news? I'm going to share those things with you in just a moment. Similarly, the same thing that can, that can happen in your relationship with Jesus. All of those things that were so, you know, when you first got started, nobody had to tell you to witness to other people. Nobody had to tell you to spend time in God's Word. Nobody had to tell you that you should, you should pray and do all those things. It just came naturally, right? But over the course of time, what came naturally to you has suddenly become boring, stale, and you begin to drift. We drift. Don't give up. Spiritual satisfaction can be yours at any time with the factors and skills that you can use at any time in your life. 
When your relationship with Jesus drifts, this is what it looks like. You blame other believers, you blame God. You close your heart, you isolate from others, other believers. Bible says when we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Pretty good clue that you're not walking too closely with Jesus is when you're not walking too well with your Christian brothers and sisters. You explore other options. Maybe I'll just quit going to church. Maybe I'll find a new church. Maybe I'll just quit because this isn't working. And you doubt your future. Here's good news for you in your marriage and in your relationship with Jesus. Number one, marital satisfaction depends on the skills that couples can do and use in any season or stage of life. It's important at this point that I, po- that I point out to you that what used to come naturally to you and no one had to tell you to do, when you come to the point of where you've drifted, the answer is you simply have to do with intention, decide to do the things that you used to do. It doesn't matter that since, that the, since these things don't come automatically to you, they don't just well up from you, that, you're not, that you don't love your spouse anymore, that you don't love Jesus anymore. This is something that happens to everybody. But we can begin to do with intentionality those things, and suddenly our relationship begins to perk up and change when we've drifted. No one had to tell you what you did. Now we just have to tell ourselves what we need to do with our spouse and with our marriage. We're not the only ones in our, in our, in our spiritual life that this sort of thing happens to. A great example of drifting in, our, in their spiritual walk is the church at Ephesus. And in Revelation, Jesus writes letters. Jesus sends letters through John to each of the churches. And here's what he says to them, and I hope it's instructive for you and me tonight. He says in Revelation 2.2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. In other words, you're, you've done a lot of really good things. I know that you can't tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but they're not, and you have found them false. You've persevered and you've endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. These are all good things. He's complimenting on this. But, he says in verse 4, I hold this against you. You have forsaken, walked away from the love that you had at first. That can happen in a marriage. That can happen in our relationship with Jesus. We forsake those things that we used to do naturally, that we need to do intentionally, and we drift. The good news is, even though Jesus says you're drifting, there's an answer to that as well. So how did I get to where I got to? Guys, if you'll put the first, uh, the first uh, graphic up on the screen, look at the little Volkswagen camper right there. That's, that's, the, that's the journey that you're on. And this is in your marriage. When you, when you first began, you were attracted to one another, and there was chemistry. And by the way, attraction is brain chemistry. You, you can be attracted to anybody. In fact, a lot of people are attracted to other people throughout their lives, and that's what leads to trouble. It's not a sin to be attracted, but it's a sin if you let it get a hold of you. But in the early days, God uses our chemistry and our attraction to bring us together, and we, we make a connection with one another, and we get married. From that point forward on our journey together, one of two things happens. 
we either take the course of deciding to do the things, that do the hard work, to stay together, to, to, to resolve conflict and do all of those things. And as we do, uh, there's new discovery. There are all sorts of wonderful things that happen, and it leads to marital devotion. We're devoted to one another. We just, everything's great, and we keep together. But if we're not careful, we can drift. And that happens when we don't do the things that we used to do, when we don't intentionally invest in our relationship, and that leads to disillusionment. He's not the man I married. She's not the woman that I knew. And that leads to disconnection. What am I going to do? And that can lead to divorce. That's what happens in a marriage, right? You know people like that, even if it's not you. You can drift when you get off course and you drift instead of deciding to do the things that you need to do. Now, if you'll show the next one, guys. This is what happens in your walk with the Lord. When you're saved, when you first meet Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicts you and tells you that you need a Savior, and you respond, and you have a desire to live for God, and you follow Him. And as you begin that journey, you get to go one of two ways. You can go through the decision mode, and you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus, even though it's hard, and I don't understand it, and it takes work, and I'll risk it. We're automatic, but it's not. And you begin to, con- you continue, you decide to continue to walk with him and do the things that you need to do in order to have a great relationship with him. And that leads to discovery, and it leads to devotion to Jesus Christ. Or, and this happens to a lot of people, we can take the drift route. After a while, we begin to drift. And our drifting away from God leads to disillusionment and ultimately disconnection. And in the red square there, a scary word, disaffection, no longer affectioned toward God. That is the natural course of things when we allow ourselves to drift. How does that happen? Let's go back to our little Volkswagen bus because nobody chooses to drift. It's simply the lack of decision and intentionality that causes us to do that. So here we are on our trip. This is our little van right here. And we're driving. We make the choice. But the scriptures are leading us. Uh, Church tradition and what a Christian ought to do is, is riding shotgun. Our experience is along for the ride. Reason or uh, uh, the, the, what we know and what we learn about walking a, a, a Christian, a devoted Christian life, and our emotions. All of those are on, in for the ride with us. Now, here's the problem. As long as I'm allowing what God says to drive me, to lead me, to be the direction on, on, in, on this journey, I'm good. But all of these other passengers will speak to you while you're driving. And if you actually let one of them get in the driver's seat instead of, instead of God's Word, you're going to drift. You're going to get off course. So what, so what do I do, Steve? We have to be intentional. We have to decide who's in the driver's seat, where we're going, and how we're going to stay on the road and keep getting there. And that takes intentionality. Here's a big point. Those passengers can affect the journey, but the driver determines the destination. Your destination, your destiny in your marriage and in your walk with Christ is up to you. You determine whether you're going to drift or whether you're going to decide to continue to follow Christ. So what do I do? Well, here's a good piece of practical advice. Avoid or silence the voices that will slow you down and get you off track. Don't let them speak to you. Seek the voices that will help you to stay on track to your destination and make every effort 
to hang out with people who are headed in the same direction. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. You decide to do the things that you need to do in order to maintain your marriage and in order to maintain your walk with Christ. So let me encourage you tonight. Decide to stop drifting. It's up to you. It's up to you. And you might just be drifting a little bit or you might have drifted a long way. doesn't matter. The decision is always yours. There are things that you can do. Desire to intentionally do what used to be natural. Can I just, if you don't get anything more, and, and all the studies show that I'm going to lose you after 15 minutes, so catch this. Catch this. You have an opportunity to do by intention the things that nobody used to have to tell you to do. You just did them automatically. If you will go back to doing those things, you can get back on course and you can experience marital satisfaction and spiritual satisfaction. Get it? I should just let you go home because that's the crux of this thing. But let me, let me just have a few minutes more. How do I do this? In your marriage and in your walk with God, and a senior note, and I'll trip through, through these quickly. Number one, reflect. Every season that you go through will change you. Every experience that you go through will change you. For the better or for the worse, you are changed. You are cha- are, have you been changed? Are you the same person you used to be? No. So one of the things that's really important for every believer is to stop and reflect, where am I at? Have I drifted? Am I doing the things that I need to do in order to be a good husband? Am I doing the things that I need to do in order to follow Christ and be obedient to him? Reflect and ask yourself, how are the changes affecting me? And what do I need to do about them? There's a relatively new therapeutic uh, uh, method called mindfulness. It's, it's basically being aware of yourself, being aware of your thoughts, and it can get a little off, you know, but it's really important for us to think about what's going on in our life. You can get so wrapped up in life that you don't even realize that you've drifted. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 139, 23, David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, and then point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When we take communion, one of the the typical verses that's read is it says, let a man examine himself, let a woman examine herself. I want to encourage you in your walk with God, maybe right now, ask the Holy Spirit to show you the things you need to know about you, where where you've come to, what you've become as a result of this life that you have walked through and the experiences that you have. Here's your action step. Take an honest look at yourself, examine yourself, and ask yourself the question, in your marriage, in your relationship with Jesus, have I drifted? Am I where I need to be? Once you've decided that you have drifted, decide. Decide to recommit to your marriage. Decide to recommit to Jesus. Commitment Here is a scary word to some people. Here's what it means. Commitment is the choice to give up all other choices. That's what commitment is. I choose to not, I choose to not run around with some woman who's not my wife. I choose to not do things that are displeasing and keep me away from Jesus. I choose to do those things. That's what commitment is. I I commit my life to Christ, and as a result of my commitment to Christ, I I commit to you, my brothers and sisters. And, and, And in marriage, I commit to my wife. I give up my right to make other choices. I choose that this is my choice, and I remain committed. I'm committed to honor and love my spouse consistently, and exclusively, and I'm committed to follow God 
and no one else. So let me ask you tonight, how's your commitment? Have you drifted? Time to look at our commitment. First Kings 8.61 says, And may you be completely faithful to the Lord our God, and may you always obey his decrees and commands just as you're doing today. Acts 2.42, they devoted, the early Christians, they devoted, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There's a whole sermon in there that I'm not going to give you tonight, but I encourage you to go back and reread that verse sometime and, and ask yourself in these regards, have I drifted? How am I doing? Every day, commit yourself decide to do the things in your marriage and the things that used to come naturally to you in your walk with Jesus. Decide, commit to doing those things once again. In order to do that, a couple quick things that you need to do. Number one, honor your spouse, honor God. What does that mean? Honor means to esteem as highly valuable. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes you don't feel like your spouse is very valuable especially if you think they're not what, you, what they used to be. And, you, and it's hard to value them. It's hard to honor them. It's hard to love them sometimes, right? You can nod your head. Your, your spouse knows already that, that, that that's the case. But, but it is. It really is. But here's the thing. We don't honor one another because of what we do or don't do. We don't honor them because of how they measure up or don't measure up. We honor them because they are, they are, they are made in the image of God. They bear God's image in your life. Why is human life so precious? Because unlike everything else in creation, we are created in the image of God. Husbands, your wife is precious and worthy of honor because she's created in the image of God. Wives, your husband, regardless of what he does or doesn't do, is precious and to be honored Because he's created in the image of God. He brings the very image of God into your home, as you do. So where we start with honoring one another in our marriage is the fact that we honor one another because of their value as being created in the image of God. Honor decides that your spouse is highly valuable and then looks for evidence to back it up instead of evidence to say it ain't so. That's a decision too, isn't it? So, so decide to honor your spouse and then decide to honor God. Revelation 4, 10 to 11 says, you are worthy. You're worth it, God. You've, you've merited it. You, you are worthy, O Lord and our, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Honor decides that God is highly valuable. Is God highly valuable? Is he to you? I I, I hope that he is. And if he is, we don't just tell him. We spent time during worship tonight singing songs to him and about him. We don't just tell him, we show him. Is your spouse of high value to you? Don't just say that, that they are. Don't just say, I love you. Show them. Your, if your actions don't back up the words that you say, you lied to your children. You've lied to your spouse. You've lied to God. You didn't mean to. I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I, I have an ex-brother-in-law. I love him. He's a, he's a, he's a godly man, but he had some problems. And, and he used to do wonderful things for his children. This guy went out and found an elevator cable. 
I mean, like that. And he put up a zip line in his backyard and he built this zip line thing so the kids could hang on and they could go. And he did it because he loves his children and wanted them to have a good time. The very day that he would put that zip line up, at the end of the day, when they messed up, he'd get in their face and scream at them for what they had done. Guess what happened in that moment? The I love you that he meant in his actions was just totally done away with by the words and by the attitude and actions that came out of his life. Guys, we honor and esteem our spouses when we show them that we love them and care about them, not just when we say the words. Your words don't mean anything if your actions don't back it up. It's the same way with our relationship with God. You can say, oh, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. You're wonderful. You're King of kings and Lord of lords and all that kind And then when we go out and our actions don't back up with the words that came out of our mouth, who's fooling who? So you want to make sure that in, in this, as we drift, that we are sure and certain that we honor our spouse, sure and certain that we honor the Lord. So here's what he says, Revelation 2, 5. He's given you, he's given you a clue. Consider how far you have fallen. Remember I told you, think about yourself, evaluate yourself, think about where you're at. What God says, what Jesus says in Revelation 2 is consider, think about how far you've fallen in your marriage, in your relationship with God. And by the way, if, you got, if your marriage is doing good, this is, this is just a danger that awaits you potentially, but, it, but it, this isn't meant to beat you over the head. But don't miss out on this because he's saying, think about, consider how far, far you have fallen. And then he gives you the answer. And all you, this is all you need in your marriage. And this is all you need in your relationship with God. He says, repent, which means to turn. Stop doing what you've been doing that isn't good, that isn't right. Stop. So turn. And then he says, what I started this message out with do the things you did at first. The things that nobody had to tell you to do, you just did them. But because you've drifted, you need to remind yourself. You need to decide that you're going to begin to do those things again. So consider, what has happened in my life and how has it changed me? Where is my relationship with my spouse now? How far have I drifted? Where is my relationship with God? How far have I drifted? Consider, and then decide. Repent, which means to turn. Turn away from what you're doing. Turn toward the things you need to do. Turn away from sin. Turn toward God. What do I need to do? You just need to turn. Turn from sin. Turn from apathy. Turn from laziness. Turn from worldliness. And begin to do the things that brought you close to Jesus in the first, few, in the, in the first years that you were living for him. What do I need to do in my marriage? Listen to me, guys. I have a hard time with this. So I'm speaking from experience. Bring flowers, send cards, go out on a romantic picnic. All the things you used to do that nobody had to tell you to do. And don't tell yourself that you don't do them because you don't care anymore. You just got lazy, you drifted. So repent, turn from your drifting and go back to the things that you did at first. And those things that may seem now kind of uncomfortable to you, though they were natural to you then, I promise you, both in your Christian walk and in your walk with your spouse, the more you do them, the more natural they will once again become because they become a pattern. They become a habit. 
They become a routine in your life. You can turn and you can stop drifting and start deciding to follow the Lord and start deciding to save your marriage. I I put in your notes an action step. Got a bunch of lines in there. I don't know if I've I don't know if I've missed anything or not, but uh, uh, we should be about at that point. Action step. Think about the things that used to be natural. What must I, what can I, what should I do intentionally to end this drift in my marriage or, and or in my walk with God? Your assignment, your homework, is to spend some time and think about it. Because guys, here's the thing. We learn by considering the things that we've learned. And if you walk out of this room and don't give what I said any more thought tonight, you won't change. It won't matter to you. That's just the way our brains work and learn. So I gave you something to help you to begin this process. So write it down. Consider where you're at. What do I need to do? Where have I fallen short? How have I drifted? And then write down the things you want to do to commit to and to decide to do in order to return to that first love. Listen, if you decide to do it with the Lord's help to put the work in it, it can begin to feel natural again. You do it by changing the way you think. There's a great quote, when you're feeling overwhelmed, your life isn't falling apart, your thoughts are. When you feel overwhelmed in your marriage, when you feel overwhelmed in your walk with God, when you're wondering what's going on, when you're wondering where God is, when you're wondering what you need to do, when you're wondering how in the world you're gonna save your relationship, Relax, relax. Think about your relationship and what you can do with the tools you have already in your hands to turn things around. And don't let fear grab a hold of you. And don't become fatalistic about what's going on in your relationship with your, in your marriage or with God. You change the way that you think. Romans 12, 2. You've heard it a million times. You need to hear it again. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let God transform you, literally turn you into something else. Take you like a, like a, like a big chunk of Play-Doh and make you from a, you know, a fire hydrant into a something else. He, that's what God wants to do. He wants to transform you, make you into something totally different. How do you do that? By changing the way, making you into a new person, by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Decide to renew your mind. How do I do that, Steve? I'm glad that you asked that question. You do that by overwriting the things you think with the things that God says. If I keep doing doing the things that Steve thinks and not doing the things that God wants me to do, I'm drifting. But when I make this choice, when I decide to allow myself to be renewed by allowing God's word to get in there and percolate and change me, I have all the hope in the world for changing and improving my relationship with God and my relationship with my wife. So decide to renew your mind. And by the way, it's not just reading God's word. It's about, remember when I talked about those voices, the other passengers, you got to learn to tune them out. This is is a thing for me, so I'm just going to say it. There are so many voices in this world that so many of us listen to because they are everywhere, that they will get you off the track. They will distract you and get you off the track. I'm talking about 
talk radio. I'm talking about the news media. I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about your neighbors and your friends. I'm talking about magazines and books you read. I'm talking about people's blogs. All the voices that are a voice that isn't God's voice will keep you from, well, it won't keep you from hearing God's voice, but it will compete with God's voice in your, in your mind. And I really want to encourage you, encourage you to shut those voices out. Intention, decide, decide that those, those voices are not going to draw you closer to Jesus and follow the voices that do. That's my little, uh, that's my little bully pulpit right there for a minute. Take a minute in your life and clean out all of your own self-deprecating, negative emotions, negative speak. We have to be really, really careful because I, I can I just tell you honestly, I, I, had a, I had a problem before when I would be unhappy with myself. If I did something that I wasn't happy with to myself and a lot of times out loud, I would say, stupid, Stephen, what'd you do that for? Friends, I'm not stupid. Why would I call myself stupid? I wouldn't call you stupid. When I fail, when I don't do something well, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I beat myself up like you beat yourself up. We do that, right? We sometimes, we speak negativity into our own minds and into our own hearts. God values you. God made you in his image. Don't talk about all of the bad things about yourself, but begin to allow him to change the way you think, even about you to begin to change the way you think about your spouse, to begin to change the way that you're thinking about him. Decide, don't drift. Stop listening to doom and gloom and overwrite your core belief with God's core belief. I didn't include it tonight, but I'm just gonna tell you again. You've, you've seen the chart. I, sometimes I trot out here. Your core belief influences your thoughts. Your thoughts influence your emotions. Your emotions influence your actions. And your actions influence your relationships. Do you want your relationship with God to improve and change? Do you want to quit drifting? Do you want your, your, your relationship with your spouse to change and you want to quit drifting? Start at the bottom, your core beliefs. Overwrite your core beliefs by what God says in his word, his beliefs, his values are for you and begin to work back up through that. That's one of the ways that we renew our minds. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is to get support. Husbands and wives, one of the things that's really, really important for you in your relationship is to grow together spiritually. And I'm going to tell you, that's hard for a lot of guys to figure out how to do. I don't hear any amens, guys, but I know that you're thinking, yes, Steve, yes. How do I know that? I know that because I grew up with a godly father who took us to church on Sunday but didn't really speak much of anything else into my life. I never really saw him pray with my mother. I never saw him do things. And any, any shred of shared spiritual activity that Shelly and I have together is stuff that I just had to get, I just had to figure out and start doing. And I'm not the greatest. I want to be, and I'm working on it. But I, I want to tell you something. Shared spiritual experience with your spouse is huge. Just go to church together. And by the way, while you're at church together, hold hands. Say nice things to each other. And when you get home from church, continue to say nice things to each other. Don't you yell at each other. And you understand what I'm saying? So here's, the, here, so here's all of this in a nutshell. Don't give up. Don't drift, but don't give up. Decide today to do the things that used to come naturally to you in your walk with Jesus. Decide today to do the things that used to come naturally between you and your wife and start doing them. Think about where you're at. 
Consider where you are. Consider whether you've drifted or not. And if you have, then it's simple. Repent, turn from those things, and do, redo those things that you used to do normally. The fact that you have to think about it and be intentional about it doesn't mean you don't mean it. It doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. It means you've decided that you're going to take charge and you're going to be the man and the woman that you need to be for your spouse and you are going to be the godly man and woman that you want and need to be for Jesus. Don't give up. Marital satisfaction and spiritual satisfaction depends on factors and skills that you can do something about at any season in your life. Read your Bible, pray, go to church, encourage other people, fellowship with other believers, experience the, 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 those who are created in the image of God in your church, and then honor and value God, honor and value your spouse. They are God's image in your life. Respect them and honor them. Start there and allow them the opportunity to build those things back and ask them to do the same for you. So here's, here we are tonight. And I just want to ask you to take a moment, bow your head, just think about it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything. It's a safe moment. Just ask the Lord to show you, have I, God, have I, have I been deciding to do the right things or have I drifted? Maybe I've just drifted a little bit. First, I want to speak to the one who's here tonight. You've never made the decision to follow Jesus to begin with. And I just want to tell you, you can stop right now. You can decide to follow Jesus right where you are. If you believe that Jesus is God's son, that God raised him from the dead, and if you'll confess out loud, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. That's all it takes. It's not about what you do. It's about what you have faith in, what you believe, and the confession that you make toward God. Make that decision first. And if you've made that decision, but you've drifted, and God's showing you, you know what? You're not doing the things that you do, used to do when we first got together. The things that used to come so naturally that, that no one had to tell you to do. Then commit to God tonight to repenting, turning, and redoing, renewing, and recommitting to those things that you committed to in those early days of your walk with Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you're a, you're a married person, you have one of the greatest gifts that God could possibly give you. He chose to put himself into your life by bringing someone that he created in his image into your life. And they are worth honoring if for that alone. But because of who they are and, and what they are, I want to encourage you tonight to think about, have I drifted? Can it possibly be as simple as doing the things intentionally that I used to do naturally before? Yes, yes. And I want to tell you, with the help of God, you can do that, and you can experience spiritual satisfaction and marital satisfaction tonight with the help of the Lord as you decide to do those things and to stop drifting. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you that your desire is that we would not stay the same but that we would be conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. Not the image of Steve, not the image of Phil, not the image of Joe and Betty and Julie and anybody else, but into your image, Lord. You want us to be like you. And every day, you give us another chance to do it. Every day, if we'll turn to you and allow you to show us those places where we've drifted and then to make the decision to do the things, the first things that we used to do, when we first fell in love with Jesus, when we first fell in love with our spouse, Lord, I pray for everyone whose hearts cry tonight 
is to be that man and to be that woman. I pray, Lord, that tonight, with your help, by the Spirit's empowerment, by the Spirit's illumination, by the Spirit's encouragement, that we would each of us do what we can and need to do in order to experience marital satisfaction and spiritual satisfaction because that's what you want for us to have. We thank you that you do, and we thank you that it can be ours as you help us to do it, as we decide to do it, and your Spirit helps us to do it. Lord, may great things come in our marriages and in our walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.